Welcome to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring you weekly sermons that uplift your soul, strengthen your spirit, and praise the Lord. Whatever your reason for listening, we're grateful for you spending your time with us. May God open your heart to love and your ears to hear. I invite you to stand for the reading of the gospel, which comes to us from Luke's gospel, the second chapter, verses 41 through 52. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? Jesus asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature all the days of his life. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Good morning. Our passage today began with a family traveling together to celebrate a religious holiday, Passover. Mary, Joseph, and Jesus head off to Jerusalem with what we learn later is a whole caravan of family and friends and travel for some amount of time. They arrive in Jerusalem together and they partake in the usual Passover festival events, a special meal around a table with loved ones, listening to scripture that is read every year, candles that are lit, Memories and laughter and bittersweet moments shared. Then the festival ends and everyone cleans up and packs up and travels back home in such a whirlwind that they aren't sure if they've forgotten anything. Does any of that sound familiar? Maybe an experience that some of us have had in just the past week ourselves? When I was young, in elementary and middle school age, my grandmother lived in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, which is about an hour and a half, depending on the weather, from Pittsburgh, where my mother and I lived. Every year, for well over a decade, the day or two before Christmas, we traveled off to Johnstown, to my grandmother's house, as did several of my mom's sisters and their families, and we all descended upon my grandmother's house together. We arrived to the smell of soup on the stove and cookies in the oven and a pine tree in the living room waiting to be decorated. Christmas Eve would bring some of us hanging ornaments on the tree while others were setting the table that would be covered in trays of different types of cookies and cheese balls and, because my grandmother and mom loved it, even a fruitcake. 
Friends and extended family from all around town would stop by throughout the evening for five minutes or 20 minutes or an hour, have something to eat, catch up on what had happened in the last year, and possibly join in one of the songs that our family would sing from a caroling book we had. And we would sing through every year, despite the fact that all but two of us were completely tone deaf. It was a noisy, messy, wonderful night every year, only made better by the promise of the piles of presents that would appear under the tree the next day. Piles organized for each person in different sections set in the living room. Piles I'd wait for everyone to open until everybody in the family woke up. In Dorothy Strative's house, present opening was an orderly and precise process, with each gift getting its due respect and being shown to the entire room. After naps and walks in the snow and hot chocolate and a good night's sleep, and maybe another day or two in town, family members would begin packing up and heading back to their homes, which at that point in time were scattered across the country, hoping they had remembered all of the trinkets and toiletries that had ended up scattered throughout my grandmother's house. We'd head back to our regular lives of school and work and chores, and Christmas would be over. Wrapping paper and ribbon would get packed away. Decorations would be stored for next year. Presents would be added to other belongings on shelves and in drawers. Whatever your Christmas traditions may be, I imagine they include some of those same themes, and I feel like I can hear them in between the three short verses of Scripture at the beginning of today's passage. This holy family taking its yearly trek to Jerusalem for the festival of Passover. They go, they celebrate, they head back home, and then Jerusalem slows down a little bit. The temple becomes quiet. Mary and Joseph travel the road back to regular life along with almost everyone else. Jesus, however, threw a little wrench in the plans this year. He stayed behind. This 12-year-old child has decided on his own without telling anyone else that he will stay behind. We know that's how it happened because when Mary and Joseph realize that Jesus is not somewhere in this massive caravan of family and friends that have been traveling all day, they have no idea where he actually could be, and they are filled with anxiety. Again, there are some things that may ring true for some of us in this passage we've heard. They head back to Jerusalem and spend three days looking for Jesus before they find him in the temple among the teachers. He's just there sitting and talking, not anywhere near the panicked state that Mary and Joseph have been in. Mary addresses Jesus in, honestly, what seems like a less aggressive tone than I have taken with my own child about anxiety-inducing decisions she's made in her three short years of life. And she asks Jesus why he treated his parents like this. Jesus replies, why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Now, a child has spoken to his mother in a tone that we might today read as an immature sense of superiority and disrespectful indignation. 
A 12-year-old with an attitude. Who could imagine such a thing? So many things in this story seem familiar, don't they? Even the Holy Family doesn't get to avoid anxiety, family conflict, or a growing sense of independence in a child that doesn't quite get caught up with the parents' need to know what's going on. Jesus' divinity and humanity come wrapped together in this moment where he's doing what he should be doing and doing something he shouldn't have been doing. And oddly setting an example for us in the process. Before Mary and Joseph found him in the temple, he had been sitting there for three days with teachers and religious leaders, reading, discussing, asking questions, and answering even more questions. Jesus has been learning and teaching, growing in wisdom. The teachers he sat with, teachers in the temple, in Jerusalem, the teachers, who we assume probably already knew their stuff pretty well, were amazed by Jesus in these three days. Jesus stayed behind in the temple when everyone else but the teachers had left, when there was plenty of room to sit and talk when teachers weren't being pulled off in another direction to gather items to prepare for worship or make sure to clean up after the nativity play that had just happened. There was time to have real conversation, for dialogue, between this divinely human child and wise teachers. Time after the big celebration was over, and the challenging work of authentic spiritual growth could begin. He stayed to claim his faith and his divinity without his parents looking on or pressuring him to be there, shaking him awake and getting him dressed in his temple clothes. He stayed to continue to grow in faith and in favor that would last him into and through adulthood. Jesus stayed behind to be in his father's house rather than go home to his father's house. And he teaches everyone that when the big festival is over, the actual big things begin. The work of being faithful, the work of learning, the work of growing, the work of knowing that what God calls you to is not just the thing that your parents have taught you or what someone told you that everybody like you should believe. The thing that you have questioned and debated and spent real time immersing yourself in. Jesus stayed behind for the work of being so at home inside of God's word that it lives inside of you and is seen in everything you do. Amazing those around you. In our own modern story today, we find these echoes of the family travel, of the big celebration, of the growing child and the parents in conflict. But we also find this echo of something big having just happened. Although on Christmas Eve we did not witness the actual first hours of Jesus' life on earth, we took time once again this year to recognize that God is so intent on being in relationship with us 
and so determined to have us participate in the work of turning this world into what God wants it to be, that God humbled himself and took on the form of human flesh and lived through all of the incredibly and sometimes horribly human experiences that all of us here live through. This is something that, like 12-year-old Jesus, we should want to hold on to, to come and find this quiet moment to discuss and learn more about and make ourselves at home in. And if we change it, take it seriously, it may change some of the dynamics in our lives. We may find truth in scripture that makes us see the world differently, maybe differently than others in our own families. Truth that may lead to changes in friendships. Truth that may call us to uncomfortable situations. We may even find ourselves willing to sacrifice things that we have always held dear. Possessions, resources, our own self-image, security, in order to treat the rest of humanity as Jesus did, as fellow children of God. Our humanity and God's presence in our lives come wrapped up together in ways that might seem to conflict and yet are necessary for each other to be at home in God's house. As 12-year-old Jesus told his parents that they should have expected him to be found in his father's house, we are expected to continue to be in God's presence in whatever place we find it. And because you are actually here today, you have continued this story of Jesus in the temple after the festivities are over, when even our place of worship has calmed down and along with everyone's calmed down expectations of showing up. Part of the story might sound familiar there for you, too. In the quiet, ordinary days after the big celebration, after all of the wrapping paper and ribbons are put away, we continue to show up. You have shown up today. And you continue to do the daily work of recognizing and praising and following Emmanuel, God with us. Even more than that, we get to create not just this one amazing day of Christmas, but a whole world that reflects what it means for God to be with us. For God to be with us in this embodiment of hope, peace, joy, and love that we have heard about in the season of preparation for Christmas, that we get to live out in the season of Christmas that follows. We get to live out the things that Mary sang about when the baby jumped in Elizabeth's womb and the baby in Mary's womb was recognized as being so special. We get to live out the things that the shepherds ran back to town shouting about and telling everybody they could find. Those figures may not be center stage today, but they are with us because God is with us. And Jesus didn't go straight from this big celebration of birth to the next big church day coming on Easter. He lived the full breadth of human experience in between. Little things like first steps, first words, 
figuring out how to manage those human muscles in relationship to the force of gravity. He learned to go to school and make friends, to lose friends. He loved and was loved. He was rejected. He lived all of the things that we live in our lives so that he could be God with us. In every moment of life, from the baby born in the stable, lying in a manger, all the way through to the divinely powerful and divinely self-sacrificing man dying on a wooden cross. So he is with us here today, too, on this second Sunday of Christmas. He is with us as the 12-year-old boy who stayed behind when everyone else had gone back home, stayed to learn and teach and to discuss deeply important things that probably can't be heard or discussed in any detail in the midst of the big celebration. He's here with us as we, too, have faithfully shown up, have stayed behind after the big celebration of Christmas and before the coming celebration of New Year, are here in the quiet moments when there is plenty of space and plenty of time to ask questions and offer answers, when we're no longer distracted by long Christmas preparation to-do lists or anxiety about our role in the Christmas play, when we can focus on what all of this has been about. We can hear about Jesus, God in flesh, surrounding himself with religious teachers and having grown in body and spirit already continuing to grow and learn both fully human and fully divine and know that we have that opportunity as well. We can start that, this new year that is coming with this discipleship, with this hard work, with the possibility that it may change some of our relationships, some of the things we do, but that when we pay attention to where God is following us or calling us, we are paying attention to where God is with us and what God is offering us the example of. You may have already seen this floating around Facebook recently, but Howard Thurman, many years ago, wrote a poem the work of Christmas, that I think puts it so well. When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flock, the work of Christmas begins. To find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among people to make music in the heart. Amen. So go now past the days of the big celebration into the days of doing the real hard work of Christmas. Go and grow and share and be Christ with us. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church podcast. We hope that you have found our podcast helpful and hope to be in ministry not only to you, but with you. For more information about Sandy Springs United Methodist Church, please visit www.ssumc.org. Until next time, may God bless you.